All right, welcome to episode two of Therapy's podcast. This episode is titled Unhelpful Thoughts. So what we're going to get into today is we're going to get into one of my favorite top 10 list of um, automatic thinking patterns that are unhelpful. So you can find this online on my website. Uh, I think it's listed under cognitive distortions. There's a lot of different ways uh, that uh, the therapy world has titled this like thinking errors or irrational thought patterns, unhelpful th- thoughts. Uh, there's, like I said, there's a lot of different synonyms for it, but the basis of it is that it's an automatic thought or automatic thinking patterns that ultimately increase some sort of internal distress that impact and alter the way we behave and act that then kind of strengthen our those those negative thoughts. So we're going to get into that today. Um, uh, some a disclaimer I wanted to put out there too is that remembering that the purpose of this podcast is to provide information and to destigmatize mental health, explore the human experience, and ultimately, um, hopefully, the listeners gain some connections to to the information that is provided, and that it inspires them to to take care of their mental health or improve the the way they take care of their mental health. So I I don't want this to uh, replace uh, seeking um, professional mental health or mental health services in your area. So uh, if you do, you know, need some mental health support, please please reach out and look at some resources in your immediate area, wherever you might be. Um, yeah, like I said, I don't want this to replace any any professional help. I also really want to caution against any self diagnosis. Um, if you listen to something on the podcast, um, if you're to receive a, a formal diagnosis, you know, that would be done through an assessment with a mental health professional. Um, I, I'm on, I'm recording this on a microphone. There's no way I can assess and provide any diagnosis to people. So you may hear some symptoms of certain, uh, diagnoses, like maybe generalized anxiety disorder or whatever it may be. And you might have a connection to it. But it doesn't mean that you you experience uh, clinically significant uh, anxiety, depression, or whatever it is. If you do, I'm not going to be able to know that. So I, you know, encourage you to seek uh, professional help in your area once again. Um, please go to my website. I did get a lot of good feedback for episode one. Uh, a lot of good comments and questions, and it's helping me to um, understand what the listeners. Uh, are looking for and what the listeners, uh, how they interpret the information that's being provided. So I'm definitely, definitely trying to develop and evolve this podcast. Like this is only episode two. So I'm really excited to continue to get the feedback and comments and questions to, to see how this thing can evolve for the listeners and um, become a very uh, hopefully enriching experience for everyone. So Once again, today, uh, unhelpful thoughts. Something else that's referenced in this episode, actually, too, is uh, CBT, or Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. This is an evidence-based therapeutic process. It has a, there's a certain amount of steps that it actually goes through. I think it's about 12 sessions-ish that if you were to receive Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, there's specific steps kind of along the way. Uh, we get into some of the techniques, but by no means is is today's episode a 
thorough process of, of CBT in itself. So we, I just use some of the techniques in my work and I, I find them to be very helpful techniques. So I hope you find them helpful and I hope you find some connection to what we explore today in these unhelpful thought patterns. And lastly, one of the reasons I really wanted to focus on this episode too is that in any of the work I do, um, you know, we, we experience conflict, whether internally, but a lot of our, our conflicts is in relation to the outside world, in relation to others, to those close to us, to, to our colleagues at work, to our family, to our romantic partner, to our siblings, parents, you know, wh- whatever it may be. So the reason, you know, essentially these thoughts are unhelpful is because they create a sort of rigid way to look at at life or at life's problems or you know at at our conflict so if there's a rigid pattern or a a rigid thought pattern then also you might imagine there's a rigid set of solutions which means there's not very many set of solutions which if you can't solve a problem imagine the the distress that causes so one of the goals is to really really look at broadening the way we look at conflicts which makes our thinking patterns more flexible and less rigid, which means our solutions become more flexible and less rigid. It makes us more adaptable to conflicts as they come. So um, if we're in, stuck in these unhelpful thought patterns, uh, we can start, as humans, start to feel this sense of kind of powerlessness and helplessness over improving our problem or our current conflict. So that's why it's kind of called unhelpful thinking patterns or cognitive dis- distortions or thinking errors. So I just wanted to say that uh, the goal of this is really try to broaden our perspective, broaden our solutions, improve our experience. Okay, so without any further ado, please enjoy episode two of Therapy's podcast, Unhelpful Thoughts. Okay, so in this first segment of episode two, we're going to review the top 10 most common patterns of cognitive distortions or thinking errors or negative thinking patterns. Essentially what they are, are they are common negative thinking patterns that humans engage in automatically that can have a negative impact on the way we feel and ultimately on the way we behave. How I use this with with clients is if I start to notice some of these patterns coming up quite regularly and causing distress in their life, uh, we will start to review some of them together, just literally looking at the list and see if they can identify any of these patterns that they engage in and see if they can start to connect how these thinking patterns, these negative thinking patterns impact their life. And then we start to challenge those thinking patterns, see if we can catch them and create alternative perspectives ultimately so that they can make alternative choices and hopefully feel differently, feel better. So I want to start off with saying, and I'll say this probably over and over again, is that thoughts are not facts. Uh, We may think something, it doesn't mean it's actually true. Um, Remember from last episode, our brain is constantly taking in information and trying to organize that information. So Part of the effects of that is that a lot of automatic processes are happening, so sometimes the brain's going to be wrong about assumptions, and um, and it can be easy to get caught up in these automatic negative thinking patterns. Uh, so 
it's, it's really difficult to just be interpreting information objectively all the time because we are emotional beings and um, these thinking patterns really are kind of a symptom of our own anxiety so we're gonna kind of try to break that down today so like I said in this first segment we're just going to review them in the second segment we're going to look at how we would apply them challenge them and ultimately manage and overcome them okay so as as I'm reading through them um, don't get don't get too worried uh, they will be posted online uh, so uh, if you're thinking oh I, I missed that one uh, this whole list will be posted online for you to check out um, I recommend reviewing it you know regularly if needed if it's something that that you experience or connect with okay so number one this one's pretty common one of my most favorites all or nothing thinking definition here is you see things in black or white categories if a situation falls short of perfect you see it as a total fail failure so in life things rarely go perfectly or rarely go as we completely expect a lot of things in life are ambiguous and and unexpected uh, therefore if we want to be adaptive and be able to to manage the distress or from last episode talk about being able to manage the feelings of the unknown uh, we really have to be able to live in the gray a lot so out of the black and white things aren't always so concrete or like I said as as we expect them to be so being able to see things from multiple perspectives really helps us to adapt to a situation so for example if you're a perfectionist and things don't go perfectly what does that mean for you can you can you handle when things aren't perfectly um, if not then you you might be being caught up in the all or nothing thinking pattern uh, um, it's either I, I performed perfectly at whatever it is or I failed well what about the progress you did make? So there's, it's not it's, it's cut and dry. Life isn't as cut and dry um, as sometimes maybe our our mind would like to make it. And that's that that part of we talked about last week, the stress system and anything out, outside of our kind of immediate control or something we can't immediately comprehend can be a little scary. Okay, so number two, overgeneralization. You see a single negative event such as a romantic rejection or a career reversal as a never-ending pattern of defeat by using words such as always or never when you think about it. So an example of this would look like, oh, well, I never get, I never get hired for uh, a good job or um, people always reject me or nobody likes me. This is very similar to black and white to a certain extent because you're you're kind of lumping up everyone or or a certain situation as always something or never something. Oh, I'm never lucky. I never I never get what I want or people always treat me badly. And you can keep going on on with this, but it's really hard to say that something always happens or something never happens. Uh, those are very extreme ends of an experience. And most of the time we don't live in the extremes similar with like I said with the all or nothing so a lot of these will con you'll see how they kind of connect as we go through so overgeneralization um, seeing a single event as a never-ending pattern of defeat okay number three mental filter you pick out a single negative detail and dwell on it exclusively so that your vision of all reality becomes darkened like the drop of ink that discolors a beaker of water so this could be like when you're trying to when you're trying to give someone some positive feedback, maybe it's a partner, maybe it's a coworker, a student, 
um, uh, your child, friend, whomever, you tell them nine things they did great, and then you tell them one thing that you think they can improve upon, and they take that one thing, and that's all they hear. They they oh oh well, I'm not I'm not good enough, or I didn't do great enough, and they focus on what's the perceived negative of that interaction versus all of the positive things that are happening. So right in essence the filter filtering out the positives and only really focusing on the negatives so you can imagine the impact on one's mental health this thought process if you have this automatic thought process pretty regularly it can have you probably decrease self-esteem decrease confidence uh, decrease self-worth and so on okay moving on to number four Discounting the positive. So this is very similar to number three that we just went over, mental filter. So discounting the positive, you reject positive experiences by insisting they don't count. If you do a good job, you may tell yourself that it wasn't good enough or that anyone could have done as well. So I don't want to mix this up with like humility because I think it's it's fine to, to be humble and, and not... Um, not brag or, or boast about yourself at the same time to recognize the strengths that you do have and the good thing the good qualities about yourself um, and not to just once again have that filter about focusing on the negatives about yourself okay number five jumping to conclusions you interpret things negatively when there are no facts to support your conclusion so this is a super common one actually because if you think of last episode where we talked about, oh, do a brief review, our brain's rejection or kind of automatic resistance to to change, to to try something new. Well, this is a way in this jumping to conclusions to kind of arbitrarily predict something that might happen so that we don't have to do it uh, or we can rationalize ourselves out of doing it. So two parts of the jump to conclusions. One is fortune telling, and that's kind of what I was just talking about now, is predicting that things are gonna go badly before you actually even tried it. Um, like, oh, I'm not gonna apply for that job anyways because I'm not even gonna get an interview. Well, you're gonna assure yourself no interview by not applying, right? Um, or if I bring this up to my partner, we're just gonna fight. It, that may be a common pattern that you have, however, that experience isn't here yet and you're already right the the purpose of anxiety is you're experiencing some emotional distress to a situation that actually doesn't physically exist in your environment so that's what we talked about the big difference between stress and anxiety stress there's actually an external um, stressor or, or threat that's happening anxiety it's worrying about something that may happen which could be all the time. You could always worry about something that might happen. Um, so fortune telling, the arbitrary prediction of things that will turn out badly. Uh, the other part of this is mind reading. So essentially having a, an assumption about what someone else is thinking. So for example, you can say, well, this person doesn't care about me because they didn't do these things that I expect. Well, that it's not necessarily true. It might be true that they didn't do those things, but to say it's because they didn't care, that, that's an assumption that maybe it's not completely accurate without actually talking to that person. Um, or I didn't get hired because of 
whatever whatever I want to say about myself because I'm not good enough because uh, they don't they didn't like no one likes me well you once again we can't read people's minds so it's once again that arbitrary prediction on what that someone is thinking or feeling a certain way without us actually checking out the evidence which is having that conversation and being vulnerable which we're going to kind of keep repeating over the course of this podcast okay number six magnification exaggerating the importance of your problems and shortcomings or minimizing the importance of your desirable qualities so this is similar kind of like we talked about some somewhat similar to mental filter and discounting the positive I think of this a lot as, as kind of in terms of the minimizing um, it it's not like I said it's not quite like the idea of humility but of, of that fear of doing well um, I don't think we t- I don't think if I talk about that too much with families, but it comes up here and here every now and then because there sometimes there really is a fear of doing well because once you start doing well, there's that possibility that that's going to be taken away from you. So sometimes when we start to do better and better in life, uh, it becomes more and more uncomfortable. Um, so we may minimize our accomplishments because we don't we're fearing a, a potential future disappointment, and that's that anxiety, right? The future the future problem that doesn't actually exist is what we're worrying about when our brain is is experiencing some anxiety um, let's see exaggerating the importance of your problems so if the pro- if your response doesn't match kind of the the nature of the problem kind of an overreaction so if someone if someone didn't um, if someone didn't text you back or you had some sort of interaction that seemed very minimal on one end, but then you you had an overreaction like, oh my gosh, this person didn't text me back. This means all of these things. And you really start running with it. Uh, we can come up for examples ad nauseum with this topic, um, and we'll save some of this for part two, the seg- uh, segment two of this podcast. But blowing things up out of proportion essentially is magnification. Okay, number seven, emotional reasoning. Assuming that your negative emotions necessarily reflect the way things are. So, for example, um, there's an example here saying, I feel terrified about going on airplanes, therefore it must be very dangerous to fly. Um, so it's, it's kind of finding a way to rationalize your, your fear or your experience. Um, and we can do this in a lot, a lot of different ways. Um, I'm not going to apply for that job because because it, it, it's too difficult to get. There's too many people that want it. So it, really the emotion behind that is is fear or not feeling good enough or whatever it may be. But we try to find some external rationalization so that we can engage in that avoidance tactic that we talked about or that fight tactic. Um, so finding a way to get some sort of external reason that's the rationalization to why we are or aren't doing something number eight is one of my favorites should statements so it doesn't seem like a big deal but when i initially learned about this i really started to connect with it because i did, i know i did this internally a lot to myself and started finding myself 
doing it to other people and it started hearing and connecting when when I heard it more and more kind of in a my social circle so it seems it seems like it's not a big deal but it can it, it can become an effective way of thinking so telling yourself that things should be the way you hoped or expected them to be so we're really going to dive into the ideas of expectations in a in a future episode especially the one about communication what i want to say about expectations the phrase that i say to families and clients individuals everyone is implicit expectations lead to explicit disappointment so what i mean by that is as humans we're constantly running on this script of the way we expect people to be whether that's our children whether that's our family friends partners teachers co-workers we have the script of what we expect from people and or expect from life and when it doesn't turn out that way it can feel devastating because we're left with a disappointment so if we you're like well i should be respected at work or i should I, I should get a raise or my children should listen to me. Well, what happens if those things don't happen? Because the reality is it's possible that they don't happen. So it could be true that you deserve those things, but getting into the should, this really leads to this this kind of outward disappointment when things don't go that way, which can you know, increase stress, increase feelings of depression, anxiety, um, and overall kind of prevent us from effectively addressing these conflicts. Um, so there's a lot of different words that we could replace should with that kind of have a similar impact like must or ought or have to. This book I read uh, a few years back really helped me kind of understand this idea and it had this idea of have to's and I found myself often saying I have to do this or I have to do that but what it was robbing my brain of is the choice because if I said I have to do something then there is no more choice because I have to do it right I have to go to school I have to get a job I have to I have to and you can you can go on for days about this and that's living that's living by this script or this this kind of implied expectation of the way we're supposed to live i have to do this well why do you really have to it's a choice we have choices so if we get stuck in that have to's we rob ourselves of the autonomy and of that independent choice so think of it this way if we are operating off the have to's or the shoulds we're kind of living in that black or white world so anything that goes against it is probably going to cause some emotional distress. Well, I have to go to school, but I have to go to college, or I have to go to grad school, but I didn't get in, or I have to get my kids to listen to me, or I have to get married by this certain age, or I have to have kids by... Well, what if those things don't happen? Then that goes against your entire internal script, and that's going to be that's going to be hard to deal with. That's going to be some distress that you're going to have to work through. So catching yourself in these thought patterns going... No, this is a choice. I have a choice. I don't have to do this. I'm choosing to do this. And then I'm choosing not to do this. Um, you can see in this, in, as we go through some of these, the, the, it's essentially ways of rigidly thinking. And when we're 
engage in this these rigid thinking patterns it it's difficult to experience the ambiguous nature of life the unexpected nature of life which is if we're in that rigid mindset um, anything out of our comfort zone that's going to increase that chance of having that automatic stress response that fight-or-flight response we're probably going to experience more often because things are always going to challenge our our status quo or our, our daily baseline of living for some people more than others of course but life isn't always going to go as predicted as planned okay number nine labeling this is an extreme form of all-or-nothing thinking so instead of saying I made a mistake you may attach a label to yourself like uh, I'm a loser or or I'm a failure something of that sort so instead of just taking it as one specific situation like I said then you attach a negative label to yourself um, so labeling that one seems pretty straightforward we could also do this to other people too so if, one, if someone if someone in our life maybe we felt crossed us one time or didn't consider us uh, when we thought they should there goes number eight again we may say oh well they're they're a selfish person they're a narcissist and hey maybe there are some out there that you know but if you're in that if you start to see that pattern over and over again um, you might be engaging that that labeling pattern and and like I said that's an extreme form of all or nothing so if everyone in your circle is either good or bad well kind of maybe reassess that how did you get to those how did you get to, to those assessments of people are only good or bad all right number 10 at the last one here personalization and blame so let's start off with personalization so this occurs when you hold yourself personally responsible for an event that isn't entirely under your control which is a lot of things so when I think of this often when um, something something someone may feel guilty for like if a parent is struggling with their, their if their child is struggling in school they blame themselves um, or if a relationship is going poorly like you're blaming yourself personalization is basically the in putting the blame inward instead of outward um, which it's it's great to take responsibility for our actions and everything but also understanding that we generally don't have control over everything so we can take responsibility for our part but we don't want to take on everything that existed in a, in a certain situation necessarily um, unless it was unless that's completely true but we're gonna have to challenge that uh, blame so this is pretty straightforward so blaming someone else for the problems you're experiencing so someone may they may rub you the wrong way or um, irritate you whatever whether it's a partner or your children or, or friends but then at the end of the day you always get to control your response um, if you're functioning in an automatic response then that's where you really need to figure out okay what are your triggers and figure out how to manage those triggers so that you're not kind of going back and forth between fight or flight and you figure out how to regulate yourself which we'll get into in, in later episodes about you know mindfulness and, and coping strategies but 
people don't control us. If 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 we're feeling that way, then we might be engaging in this blaming technique. Like this person made me do it, or you brought me to this, right? Those kind of phrases. Well, that robs ourselves of our own responsibility, our own autonomy, our own ability to choose our own actions, and um, and that could be detrimental because then basically we are looking to the outside world to. Uh, control us instead of finding control within and what we're going to talk about repeatedly is that we don't have any external control over other people or over a lot of events that happen we can most almost always control our response though um, and it takes a lot of practice it, and it takes a lot of uh, discipline and, and mental awareness and vulnerability the ability to acknowledge when you're when you're feeling triggered and the ability to to acknowledge it when you're feeling scared and vulnerable okay so we just went through those top 10 list of cognitive distortions that's cognitive distortions or negative thinking patterns or thinking errors a lot of different ways that are that phrase it this one here in particular is from the Pennsylvania child well child welfare resource center so like I said, this will be posted on my website. Um, you can find this easily online just by Googling uh, cognitive distortions or th negative thinking patterns and find it for yourself. And like I said, I highly recommend looking through it and, and seeing which ones uh, may influence some of the conflict or distress in your life, if, if at all. Um, so this is going to end it for the first segment of the episode on everyday anxiety. So. What I want you to do, uh, we're going to take a brief break. Uh, think about some of these things. Reflect. See if any of them kind of connected uh, as we went through them. I know we went through them kind of quickly, but if you can think of times you engaged in some of these patterns, whether it was some of the main ones like all or nothing thinking and jumping to conclusions or a couple of my favorites or um, are you engaged in some should statements and think about how those interactions went. Were they distressful? Were they effective? And then when we come back, uh, we're going to look at how I work with clients on challenging these and start to open up the perspective and create more flexible uh, mindsets because of the more flexible mindset we have, the more adaptive we can be to life's stressors. All right. Talk to you soon. Enjoy the break. Okay, welcome back to part two. So in this part of the episode, we're actually going to look at techniques that I utilize to help uh, clients challenge, it, challenge, overcome, and manage uh, maybe unhelpful thinking patterns so that they can reduce anxiety and ultimately find new perspectives to look at conflicts, which means they can find new solutions to previous or presently experienced conflicts. So all of these methods are derived from cognitive behavioral therapy. So there are workbooks out there that you can buy for yourself and kind of go through to 
to maybe challenge some of your own automatic thinking patterns that happen to be unhelpful. So we're going to go through a few of my favorites that were mentioned in part one. So number one uh, of one of my favorites is the shoulds or the have tos. So remember that if the big problem with the shoulds is that the implied message is that if, if we're saying it about ourselves, I should be doing better or I should be at this different place in my life or I should be different. It, the implication is that we are doing something wrong or incorrectly. So imagine what feeling might be associated with that, some maybe increased shame, depression, guilt, and probably even some increased anxiety. If we go through the have-tos, I have to do this, or they have to do this, it, re it reduces the opportunity for flexibility. So if I'm saying I have to do this, it, re it removes the, the freedom of choice and that, that autonomous decision-making. So if like, for example, I, I have to go to college, or I have to uh, get married, or I have to do anything more, or I have to have children, right? The, or I have to buy a house, I have, whatever, whatever it is. You, you plug in your own experience. You're saying, I have to. Remember, it's a choice. You don't necessarily have to do anything. Everything you do is a choice that you make. So reminding yourself that you do have these choices increases the flexibility and the possibility for new perspectives of looking at a conflict and provides also increased possibilities for new solutions to current problems okay so how I would challenge this or the goal is to challenge this with the client and if they say uh, you know I, I reference working with teams a lot because that's a lot of my work if they say oh I have to get into this college um, Okay, I say, okay, or else what? If you don't get into the college, then what? And then they may say, well, then uh, I'm not going to have a good career or a good life. And I go, oh, is that true? So really, if it's an unhelpful thinking pattern or irrational thinking pattern, want to challenge if it's even true or not. Is it true? Uh, they may say yes. If they say yes, it's true. Okay, what's where's the evidence that that's true? And usually, you know, through more and more digging, you find out that it's it's just a message that's been implanted in their minds from either their parents or from their their environment, right? It's a blue script that they've been prescribed that that they think they have to follow. So, like I said, in, insert your own your own um, scenario here, and then ask yourself: Is that really true? Where does this thought come from? What is really the meaning behind this thought? And then, how do you know that that's even true? Where's where's the evidence? And can we find the exception? So. Um, say someone saying, oh, oh my gosh, I, I have to be married by this uh, certain time in my life. And they say, oh, okay, or else what? Or else no one will, no one will want me. I will all be undateable. And I'm like, is that true? Uh, like, yes. I'm like, okay, how do you know? Because no one, no one wants somebody past this age. And I'm like, okay, is that true? Right? And you can, can see more and more irrational thoughts coming up. And then, like I said, you could start asking them, is there someone in your life that that got married later or is there someone in your life that was in a similar situation to you and then you'll start to see that maybe their projected experience is just an over-identified one or over-generalized one which is also an unhelpful thinking pattern but what I encourage you to do is look at the shoulds and the have to see if you can catch yourself in those moments because 
what all of these thought patterns do is they restrict our possibility at looking at new solutions. And if we're restricted at looking at new solutions, well, then we're not very adaptive to life's conflicts, right? So the whole goal of uh, really trying to, well, one of the huge goals of managing our mental health is the possibility of looking at newer and newer and different options, right? So getting in the shoulds and the have tos really restricts our freedom and kind of implies that we're doing something incorrectly. So if we're if we're looking at ourselves or others as doing something incorrectly, imagine that how that impacts our either relational experience or our interpersonal experience. Okay, moving on to one of my other favorite ones, fortune telling and mind reading. So I like this one a lot in terms of uh, because a lot of our conflicts are interrelated in, into a social experience. So either with a friend or a romantic partner, spouse, etc., or co-workers, um, if we look at that mind reading piece, essentially what you're doing is you're assuming that you know what that other person's thinking or that that other person knows something, right? So if you're running off assumptions, you're generally going to run into misinterpretations and miscommunications, um, which generally aren't helpful in relational interactions or relationships in general. So thinking that someone, like, let's say if we, we apply this to a, um, a romantic relationship or partnership, and the assumption is that that other person knows you're upset about something, but you never explicitly told them that you were feeling upset, right? Well, imagine how this probably plays out. Well, if you're the person that's doing the mind reading, you're probably getting more and more upset that this other person didn't acknowledge it, right? So then you can go down this kind of rabbit hole of, oh my gosh, they know I'm upset and they didn't say anything and now they're doing this and then it can kind of just pile up, pile up and pile up and we kind of, I think most of us know that the idea of bottling something in usually leads to a bigger conflict later. So mind reading is something that we can easily fall into because we're in our heads all day. We know what we're thinking. We know if we're feeling upset or at least if we're feeling good or not. Um, however, it's, it's, it's an unhelpful thought to assume that the other person knows what you're thinking or knows what you're feeling or knows what's going on inside you if you haven't explicitly told them. Now we can go on this 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 part right here, the kind of the interactional piece, for, for a very long time, and we're going to save that for a communications episode because this this mind reading and this this unhelpful thought pattern can really impact our close friendships, relationships, and you know romantic relationships and have an impact. So we'll get into that into the the communications episode, but for now we'll we'll go and switch on over to the fortune telling part. So both of these were linked together because fortune telling is very similar. It's assuming right? A, a potential outcome is going to happen without actually having the evidence. So once again, right, we can go through those same kind of uh, outline steps. Um, input your own scenario here uh, of whatever it is that you may be avoiding. If you're avoiding to addressing a conflict, I, I actually just had this come up the other day interpersonally. I had made a promise to a friend that I would do something for them. And then I ended up changing my mind and and um, backed out of it. And then my initial reaction internally was that this was going to turn into a conflict and that my, my friend would be upset with me. So I was 
engaging in fortune telling i had to catch myself go okay guy you don't actually know if that person's going to be upset the only thing you do know is that you're going to tell your friend that you're not you're not really up to to doing what you initially said you would do and that's the only thing that was actually true in the moment so i had to ask myself is it true that this is actually going to be a conflict how do i know it's going to be a conflict well sometimes if there's a pattern of perpetual conflict that that might uh, be our reasoning but we still don't know every time right and so i addressed it and it, it actually was no conflict but i had that anxiety reaction internally like oh my gosh and i wanted you know my urge was to avoid this interaction and I started distracting myself so i could, didn't have to address it but we know that does, that's not really helpful in, in our growth and development so i addressed it acknowledged my own anxiety and resistance asked myself those questions how do i know if this is really a conflict and then Turns out it wasn't a conflict. So fortune telling or arbitrarily predicting. Yeah, so we ask our, ourselves those questions um, and really challenge our, our thoughts. Uh, and the, I think one of the, the main things with fortune telling too is none of us can predict the future. So you can always kind of say, yes, this is possible this may happen, but it's not certain it may happen. So think of if you're avoiding, um, like the students I worked with, if they're if they're avoiding schoolwork or avoiding applying to college because the fear is that they're not getting in or if I, when I worked with adults in relationships they're avoiding certain conversations because the assumption is that it's going to turn into a fight or that it's going to go nowhere um, which maybe that's been their experience but if you try to introduce a new way of interacting then there's a new possibility or a new way of looking at the 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 idea of the fight in general as a as an argument or a discussion and start to kind of reframe it and create some new skills to try to find a new outcome. So none of us can predict the future. So we'll just let's try to challenge that. And if we introduce a new behavior, hopefully we can have a new outcome. All right. And one of my favorite ones too, black or white thinking this, I really like connecting this to the idea of perfectionism, but it doesn't necessarily need to stop there. Um, just think of how rigid, black or white or all or nothing thinking is and remember what I was just saying a little earlier is that what's really difficult about all of these thought patterns we go over what is really difficult about the human experience of it is that it creates a very rigid way of approaching life or the approach of think of the uh, of approaching a problem so if we only have one solution to a problem that solution doesn't work then guess what internal distress right it's not going to feel good so the idea of perfectionism you know really connects to that idea of it's either perfect or it's it's all terrible so how how do you respond if things don't go entirely your way can you adapt and adjust and also still see the that when things aren't 100 percent, they can still be really good that you can still find the good and in almost any situ in, in almost any situation things don't have to be all good or all bad um so cha challenging right uh when i've worked with families and they're trying to make progress and i try to tell them progress isn't linear right so if you're working on de decreasing the the family conflict in a home so the maybe the arguing and kind of getting in this this circular pattern of uh, stress increases in the home, then there's a fight, it goes nowhere, um, things settle for a bit, and then it kind of the pattern repeats. 
Well, when we start doing the work together of going, okay, we're going to try these new techniques instead of arguing, we're going to take a break. You're going to write down what it is you're really feeling or kind of think of the main point of what you're feeling, whatever techniques we try. Well, they may try it once and then they go, oh, it, we, it didn't work. It failed, right? That's that black or white thinking. I'm like, well, no, it, just because it didn't work right now, it doesn't mean it's not going to work. We, like, we have to keep trying and we have to keep practicing at this. So when I'm doing the work, black or white thinking comes up kind of quite regularly because whether it's with, a, with if I'm working with a child or I'm working with a couple or I'm working with an entire family, that feeling of something immediately not working the urge to quit and go, okay, you know, this either works or it doesn't work. Well, like I said, progress isn't linear. It's possible to make progress and in your mind actually still feel like you failed. So for example, when I'm working with with anyone, one, one of the things we're, we're, we're eventually going to get to is that person or persons being vulnerable, um, expressing how they feel, what what what's the hurt or what's driving what's the fear that's driving this that is perpetuating this conflict so usually the first time i'm with a client or a client in the family the first time that the vulner someone introduces the vulnerability or someone acts in a vulnerable way and it doesn't work out perfectly um People can shy back away from that and say, see, this is why I don't do this and and go right back into that defensive mechanism, into that shell. Because remember, doing what we know is generally more comfortable than doing what we don't know, even if the part that we don't know is, is eventually more effective. And, and that's why we, you know, that's why we go to therapists and we and we work on these things. So real quickly, we'll we'll end this segment on going through the cognitive triangle. So what this is, is it's also a cognitive behavioral therapeutic technique and like I said you can look this up I'll also have um, an example posted on my website so at the top of this triangle we start with the thought okay so a thought that the client brings to the to the table right so I'm just gonna start with a very generic thought of I can't do this okay apply Think of a situation in your own life about this, of a time that you felt you can't do this. So it's a whatever that that situation is. I can't do this, right? So that's at the top of the triangle. We start with that thought. That thought, then we we then go, okay, what feeling is associated with that thought? Well, potentially some feelings of shame and guilt, which are hard, difficult, can be difficult emotions to feel and deal with. Some maybe feelings of depression, right? It's like a lowered self-esteem. If you, if you feel you, if you think you can't do something, uh, um, some feelings of anxiety, right? Because if it's something that maybe is in your life that that you maybe feel that you need to do but that you can't, think of how anxiety-provoking that is. Oh my goodness, I need to do this, but I, I really can't. Like I need to address this conflict with my partner or with my friend or with my boss or with my coworker. Or I, I need to whatever it is, and like, but I, I just can't. Okay, so imagine all the feelings associated with that. And then think of the behavior that then comes of that. Well, if we think of our fight or flight spectrum, are you avoiding it? Or are you engaging in ineffective 
kind of fights and conflicts. So if you're avoiding it, and I love this for the I can't part, right? If you're avoiding the situation, then you just prove to your mind that you can't do it. Because you didn't do it. Okay, so then that thought, that thought just becomes a circular, or I guess triangular pattern that can keep going. Well, I avoided it, so I can't do it. Something as simple as jumping off a high dive board. I worked in the summer camp a few years ago, and I remember there were certain kids that felt they couldn't do it. Like, oh my gosh, I can't do it. So then, you know, some fear, some low self-esteem because other kids were doing it. And then once they did it, oh my gosh, I can. So the thought changed. So thinking of that idea of I can't, it's, it's not a true thought. It's not a fact that you can't. What might be truer, and this is the part that I would start challenging uh, any client that I worked with, I said, what's a truer thought than that? Because saying I can't, that's, what is that? That's fortune telling. You're, you're telling yourself you, you can't do something that you haven't even tried yet. Maybe you tried in the past, but you haven't tried it again. So I said, okay, what's a truer thought? I haven't done it yet. That's a truer thought. Okay. Well, how does, how does that thought change the way you feel? Well, I feel that actually there's the possibility. There's more possibility, so maybe a little bit more hopeful because now we've opened up the perspective. When you say, I can't close perspective, it's only one way it can be, and it's not going to happen, right? This is that also into that all or nothing thinking. So if, if that thought has shifted just a little bit from I can't to I haven't yet, well, now look at, okay, I'm a little more, more hopeful. Now, what behavior might be associated after that feeling has changed? Well, maybe I'll try it. And they, let's say they do try it, and they do it. Now that thought that, pro, that thought process can change. So ultimately, in cognitive behavioral therapy, we're looking at what's the root of these, these thoughts or these unhelpful thinking patterns or cognitive distortions, how we can challenge them, and can we catch and change our thoughts or catch and change our behavior that will ultimately change the way we feel. So in this, this one example I'm giving, you can catch and change the thought, right, from I can't to I haven't yet, or even something different, like I can try, um, or, and ultimately change the way you feel because there's, there's new possibility out there, right? Or if we just change the behavior. Instead of avoiding it, we just try it. If we just try it and then we do it, then we can change. Okay, now I know I can because I did it. And now I don't feel as uh, restricted or depressed about not being able to do it or anxious because I haven't done it. Um, so you can see how these things are interrelated here. So I challenge you to think of times or times of conflict in your life, whether it be internal conflict when you're when you're facing something internally or an external conflict with with someone important in your life or some people important in your life or a big aspect of your life like maybe work or school and see if you can catch any of these thought patterns because um, I think it's easy to fall into these thought patterns because remember we're our brain is a lot of things are automatically developed and we get this this blueprint or schema in our brain of how to operate in life because of what we've been exposed to and also I like what genetics we have in our brain and you know one of my challenges as a therapist is can I broaden that blueprint can I broaden the possibilities 
and perspective is a way to look at a problem and ultimately to find more and more solutions so we're more adaptable to life. So anyways, I hope you enjoyed that. We're going to take a quick break and we'll close it out. Alright, thank you for listening to today's episode. Quick recap, we talked about unhelpful thinking patterns and how they can increase our feelings of anxiety and potentially depression, shame, and some other some other emotions that can maybe negatively impact our behavior and ultimately our mental health. So we were also reference cognitive behavioral therapy. So there are workbooks out there. I'll have some links and some resources on my website, therapizepodcast.com. So please go check that out. And um, please also leave some feedback. Um, and, and you can even drop questions if you want a specific question answered. Because I know a lot of this, I try to keep it really general because my hope is that the listener is is taking an example and, and trying to uh, in input their own experience into the example that I'm providing. Um, There's tons and tons of info on this out there. So even if you just Google cognitive behavioral therapy or cognitive behavioral therapeutic techniques or anything of that nature. And remember, this podcast is not intended to replace uh, seeking your own therapy or any mental health resources in your area. It's an informational podcast, so hopefully... It, uh, like I said, it destigmatizes mental health and ho- hopefully normalizes the human experience so that if you're experiencing some of these things, you realize this is, this is kind of what um, a lot of humans go through. So yes, please seek mental health uh, professionals in your area if, if need be. And please avoid doing any self-diagnosis um, when you, if you hear some symptoms that you experience. Because remember, we're just exploring the human experience here and, and offering some psychoeducation. So hopefully this has been helpful. Hopefully it's been informative. And like I said, please continue to provide feedback and and drop comments and questions on my website, therapizepodcast.com. You can follow me on Instagram. It's my only social media. I don't have Twitter or anything else like that. But on Instagram, therapized underscore podcast. You can also email me directly at thetherapizepodcast at gmail.com. Um, Stay tuned for future episodes on communication and how anxiety impacts communication. I know we touched on a little bit of that today or how these unhelpful thinking uh, patterns can impact communication and ultimately relationships. Also, um, a future episode on the anxiety trap, which we'll talk a little bit more about how we kind of get stuck in that um, that the negative thinking patterns or unhelpful thinking patterns and how they ultimately can can continue to perpetuate the problem. So that one will be called the anxiety trap. Uh, like I said, please, please, please go to the website, uh, leave a review on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you might be listening to this. And please leave a rating. And like I said, continue to give the feedback. Uh, I want the content to be relevant to the listener. I want people to to hear something that makes sense to them. So, you know, like I said, keep dropping the comments in there. It's, it's truly appreciated. And I, I, and I, uh, I, go, th- I go through it all and uh, I 
gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of people that have listened to this already so i, I really appreciate it um and i think that's all for today thank you all for listening and i will talk to you next time